Hello and happy Valentine's Day and welcome to Bossed Up episode 97. I know that on Thursdays we typically deliver a real quick hit boss tip episode to you, but today I've got something extra special planned and a full length interview with drumroll please. <laughs> Brad the Boo. Brad the Boo is back on the pod today and I'm excited to deliver a fresh new episode that is entirely listener requested, which you'll hear about in a second. But first, I want to apologize to everybody who who wrote in about the technical glitch that we experienced on Tuesday's episode delivery. We're still getting it sorted out with Spotify and Google Play, but what ended up happening was the wrong file was uploaded totally our fault. I apologize for the issue. We did figure it out in Apple Podcasts and through our host Simplecast. So within about two hours of its initial publication, we had the correct file uploaded. But for some of you who listen in Google Play and Spotify, you might still be having issues. So if anyone had trouble accessing the incredibly awesome episode that we released on Tuesday, which is totally worth checking out all about how to coordinate career moves with someone you love, you can always listen directly on the website at bossedup.org slash episode 96. It's definitely worth listening to, so put it on your to-do list, and I'm hoping that things will sort themselves out through Google Play and Spotify in the next 24 hours. But thank you for all of you for alerting me to the error, which we wouldn't have realized if it weren't for amazing listeners like you. So thanks for getting in touch. Thanks for being loyal, prompt listeners. <laughs> So please enjoy this conversation between Brad and I, which for full disclosure was conducted after a few adult beverages. So I think I swear extra often because I'm talking with someone I love and because I was a little bit buzzed, which I am such a lightweight does not take much. I had one adult beverage and that's all it took. But today we're talking all about an issue that hits really close to home for me which is how we make work travel, a lot of it, because I travel a lot for my public speaking work, how we make that work with our relationship. So first of all, Brad, welcome back to the Boss Up Podcast. <laughs> What's going on? You got big plans for Valentine's Day tonight? Uh, just wait and see. <laughs> Actually, for full disclosure, we both agreed to postpone Valentine's Day until Saturday <laughs> when it's convenient. <laughs> all right. Well, I had you back on the pod at the request of one of our listeners, Sarah who wrote in after our New Year's resolutions couples podcast about couples goals. And she wrote, I'm a huge fan of the Bossed Up podcast, and I loved your recent episode with Brad the Boo. So snaps to you, Boo. That's me. She said, it was so great to hear how you keep your relationship moving forward together. You mentioned that you travel a lot and that Brad is a bit of a homebody. Would you be willing to talk about how you manage that on a future podcast episode? How do you manage sharing household tasks, making the most of the time you have together and staying closely connected in your relationship when one partner travels a lot for work? For my job, I travel a few times a year for two to four weeks at a time. And while my partner's really supportive, it can put a strain on our relationship when one partner is left to manage household tasks. I'm especially worried about my work travel becoming a bigger issue if we decide to have children and childcare responsibilities enter the mix. I know a lot of people, especially women, struggle with work travel while managing a family and or a relationship. So if you could chat about that on a future podcast, I'd be so excited to hear how you and other boss women in the community manage this. Well, Sarah, 
Thank you so much for this question because it is very near and dear to my heart. All week on the Bust Up podcast, we've been talking about the intersection of work and our loving relationships, whatever they might look like in our lives. So Brad, what's your initial take on this? Because in some ways, I almost feel like it was luck of the draw that we got partners in this particular relationship that are pretty chill about travel and in some ways thrive on travel. But what's your take first? Well, the reason it works out in our particular case is we've got an extrovert introvert situation here. Yes. I'm very much introverted. I love hanging out and talking to people, but I get fired up by being alone. I don't know what it is. Like I come home and there's like no one around and there's like no plans. I'm like, oh yeah. I was like, I can <laughs> I can go work on projects. I could go play music. I could <laughs> eat, you know, something ridiculous and watch something gruesome on TV. Yeah. And I don't like that all the time. Like I love being in a relationship. But I think it's like this recharge. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe some of the some of the worry or the problems that happen is that for the people who need to get out of the house, like if their significant other is traveling, you know, the one who's at home feels like they're stranded is Abandoned. where it can be a problem. Like for instance, when you're at home for like a day when you come home and it's like <laughs> snowing so you can't take your moped out and you go nuts and you, i come home like from work and you're like we gotta we gotta go out i'm like dude no i gotta go to sleep <laughs> that is very true and i feel like we picked up on that early on yeah i think we started the precedent off this relationship of like not seeing each other all the time right i mean we didn't live with each other until after like what four years of dating and we four lived and like right down the street from each other yeah. So we, even when we were like fully like dating, you know, for a while it was a slow boil. So it kind of, <laughs> yeah. we got used to the fact that we wouldn't see each other maybe every couple of weeks. And then when we were dating, it was totally fine to not see each other for like the whole week and then get together on a Saturday night. Right. And not that we didn't talk at all during the week. I think it is so important for very fiercely independent people. And we're both independent people and driven people in our own way to basically pilot how comfortable and self-confident the partner that you're dating is in the very beginning. Because if you were insecure about our relationship and our trust that we established early on with a almost brutal amount of candid honesty with one another when we were just getting together, our trust wasn't built overnight, you know? But by sort of letting each other go and that whole time in our relationship taught me a lot. It taught me that you were someone to be trusted, that we were very respectful of one another, but also that I could go pursue my career goals or just pursue the job I needed to pursue without you freaking out and losing your or without our relationship completely unraveling. Yeah, and maybe part of the success is like early on, there wasn't a lot of stakes in the game in sort of way like you're gonna go to portland for three months and you know where it was like it's kind of it is almost a trial period it's like it was yeah it's like i I trust you you know and then like as soon as you screw me over then that's you know that's it you know it's like right and so i think we both kind of knew that well we were sort of detached in this buddhist like way which is this i'm not attached to this 
outcome. I'm not going to say this relationship has to work. I loved where we were at. I loved you. And I was into where this relationship was heading, but I wasn't committed to making it work, especially not at the cost of my career ambitions. And there has to be some level of detachment because if someone does you over, you got to be able to walk away. And when you're so committed to making it work, it kind of blinds you to the intel that you should be looking at and collecting and saying, is this good for me? Is this still rewarding for me? And I was very committed at that time in my life, and I am today as well, to constantly evaluating the relationships in my life. Is this still fueling me? And, you know, we, ha- we haven't answered no to that question yet, which is why we're still together. Yeah. And, and like my um, previous long-term relationship, I was in this position where I got offered an amazing job at this big architecture firm. And this is like in the like middle of financial crisis. And I just graduated right. with no experience. And I just got, like got a shoe in for this great job, it required me to move to another city four hours away. and. We actually tried to make it work for a little while, and it ultimately did not. And there was a lot of tension because of my moving for this job, right? Just right. Or just creating that space. You know, it wasn't yeah. even necessarily like she wasn't happy for me for taking the job, but it was like just creating that space. And and I felt like after that, even though it might it might not have been like a malicious attack on me, is that I would never, if somebody needed to move for a job or do something for like a career that they want to pursue, I'd never not want them to do that. That's how I felt right at that time that we were meeting each other. It was like, I cannot be with someone who's going to clip my wings. And I still feel that way as the extrovert in this relationship. Like I got to go. Sometimes I got to be out. I got to be out and about. I got to be on a plane. I thrive on that kind of stimulus outside of our relationship even and then I come back a better partner you know what I mean like when I go on work trips we don't talk every day and that's okay I think probably more often than not I check in with you at night yeah but if I got a big ass keynote in the morning I'm practicing my big ass keynote and then I'm collapsing into bed or maybe we'll swap texts or something I think it was interesting what you said though about having interactions or relationships outside of our relationship i think is like both is like really supremely important to each of us you know it's part of it's part of each of our identities that we have these connections with other people you know i personally don't like when people like when i see couples who do everything together it kind of like i feel like they're and and again i'm not to judge but i just feel like they're like stifled because i'll know at least one of their personalities when they're alone yeah, and when a person is together. And like, you know, I try to, I'm obviously like very much myself when we're around, but it does change, right? Do. It does change when we're yeah. together and we're out in a, like in a social setting or he, or even at home. Totally. Right. And so like, there is that shift of, you know, kind of how you're acting and how you're going about things. Well, it's also the decision-making process. Right. Remember, like one of our favorite things about time apart is that you get to wake up and say, what do I want to do today? And I think that is this relationship with yourself and your own true desires that gets easily lost in a relationship. Because I have a habit of always wrapping myself around the person I'm with and sort of like 
conforming to their wants and needs and desires. And in some ways, that's not always a bad thing. I ski a lot more because we're together than I probably would if we weren't. I feel like you bring a lot into my life that I wouldn't bring otherwise. But also there's something about retaining your own identity that is really hard to do when you wake up next to somebody and say, well, what do we want to do today? You just have to start like it starts dampening down your own clarity between you and your deepest personal desires. Like I want to go on a hike today or I want to get up and watch the office for four hours in my pajamas without judgment today. <laughs> and like that is an essential relationship with yourself, which is one of my biggest fears about having kids. It's not just the childcare responsibilities that Sarah alludes to, but it's like the identity shift, especially that impacts women when we become mothers and we lose touch with our own individual identity. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that scares me too. Yeah. That is one of the biggest things is like how everything is going to shift. Yeah. And I think we talk about it a lot and we're both excited for it, but it's, it's, you know, how are we going to have alone time? How are we going to, you know, get out yeah. and also, you know, raise them. Given the fact that we don't have kids right now to speak to Sarah's question about sharing household chores. How do you feel about, I mean, you've got a lot of teddy care, a lot of dog care to handle when I'm away. So then what do you feel about the household chore breakdown? Okay, a couple things happen like when you're gone. One is I like get to really like work on projects around the house. I can get in my own zone and like timing wise too. Like, yeah. I swear, sometimes like on the weekends, I'll wake up at like 6 a.m. and just like start working on the projects. And I'm just like, <laughs> I want to crank this out, you know, and like I'll get fired up or work like late at night. And like my whole like eating schedule and everything else is just like takes not the back seat, but it's just like I'll just do that whenever I do it. There's not this like, all right, we're having lunch. You know, we kind of do more things together. And it kind of like like I was talking about before shifts how we, you know, do things. And then, like, when it comes to taking care of Teddy and, like, yeah. cleaning the house, I think, like, you just, I don't know, you kind of like, fall into those, fall, just kind of fall into what needs to get done. When you're, like, living with somebody else, you, like, like, we both know, like, neither of us really wants to wake up to a trash kitchen. But when you're living alone, you can be like, <laughs> I, you know, like, you can, you can accept within yourself and, and feel good that you'll take care of it tomorrow or the next day. It is funny that when we're alone, we focus more solely on our work, mm -hmm. whether it's house projects like you're the ones you're pursuing or not. But when we come home, there is a delight in sort of surprising each other with acts of service or love in some way. I honestly think it was the way we started dating. Yeah. It like set the whole precedent, which was just it was a slow boil where like in the very beginning, we were, again, like I said before, we just got used to the idea of, like, we'd see each other and then maybe see each other two or three weeks later. We really respected each other's autonomy in a way I'd never dated anyone before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was a huge part of it. Because here's the thing, for anyone who's dating right now and who's not in a committed relationship and is analyzing whether the person they're dating is going to cut it. What is that Christina Aguilera genie in a bottle lyric? It's like, you got to love someone and let it go. If it comes back, it's yours. And that's how you know. Mm. <laughs> that's like the 90s girl in me coming out. But it's true. 
give each other some distance. The only way you can see how somebody else is going to respond to your need for autonomy is to demand it. I think it was about this like sort of egalitarian approach that we took to not only how we cared for each other, but how we respected each other's space, how we respected each other's autonomy. And it did take some figuring out that like, it's not just the time apart that helps our relationship. It's that it respects your need for alone time. And you are a nicer person when I leave you alone. (laughs) As I learned when I went out for that avalanche preparedness class with my friend Janelle, after you being a jerk for a couple of days. And then when I like gave you a couple nights off, you were back to your normal, happy-go-lucky self. Mm -hmm. So do you think we just got lucky by respecting each other? Or do you think the lesson here is, it's not just as simple as extrovert and introvert. It's like, how do you need to feel like an individual? How does your partner need to feel like an individual? Mm-hmm. And how can you both respect that? I guess like the question is, for a woman who's listening to this, at the end of the day, she's in a relationship. If she fears, and sometimes I fear this because when I hear women in the green room fretting about this, I say, oh my God, are we spending too much time apart? You know, is my speaking schedule going to ruin our relationship? Because I, to be clear, I care about our relationship more than making money as a speaker. I care about our relationship more than my business. All of this like anxiety that's often self-induced. So I don't know. I mean, for us, it's become very, I, I think for us, the essential component has been honesty. Not just with one another, but expressing our own needs to one another. Yeah, and I then agree. I. I feel like we've learned to speak each other's languages better over the years. At least I have come to understand you a lot more than I did in the beginning. A big part of getting bossed up is getting clear on your financial future. And this Valentine's Day, I want to encourage you to give yourself and your boo the gift of financial clarity through conversation. Now, talking money with loved ones is no easy feat, but you don't have to go it alone. Grace Pomroy, a financial educator and bossed up trainer, helps couples talk about money in a way that's meaningful and easy. Through Date Night Club, Grace helps you and your boo have important, productive conversations about money on a monthly basis. So if you're ready to get on the same page as your partner, so you can start planning, spending, and saving with confidence, check out Date Night Club. And right now, Grace is offering a special discount for Bossed Up listeners to subscribe to Date Night Club for only $10 a month. Just head to gracepomroy.com slash bossed up to make talking about money with your partner so much easier. That's gracepomroy, P-O-M-R-O-Y dot com slash bossed up. Things get more complicated, obviously, as the years go on. Things get more complicated astronomically as kids come into the picture. But I do recall my friend Lena Derhali, who's our love and relationships therapist, who presents at Boston Boot Camp often in D.C., sharing this from a totally different perspective, which is she's kind of the, I don't want to say slob, but she's not the one in her relationship that cares too much if the kitchen's clean or not. But when she realized her husband feels disrespected by her leaving her cereal bowl out and not putting it in the sink and rinsing it out, You can bet that she puts her cereal bowl in the sink and rinses it out because it's a sign of respect for one another. What respect looks like in your relationship is different for every person and for every couple. But I think the key to our relationship 
however weird it's looked <laughs> over the years, is that we communicate when we feel disrespected. Yeah. And that we both are motivated to respect one another because we know it comes back. The minute your relationship loses respect, I feel like you lose trust. You lose I a think, lot. Well, I think we're also motivated to impress one another. Yeah, that is hot. How do we keep that up? I hope we always do. Well, if you're impressed by me building stuff, then it'll always work. Yeah. As soon as you're no longer impressed by building stuff, which although the bar is getting higher and higher. I used to do like, like, just like small stuff. And you'd be like, oh, that's so cool. You know, you like, that's like coasters, a coaster that yeah. you laser cut. <laughs> and now you're like, like, oh, a new kitchen. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I want a house. You know? I'm like, we got to build ourselves a mountain house. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. No, I feel like we do. I think that's like the key to uh, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. Have you ever studied the celebrity uh, couple that is Will and Jada about Pinkett Smith? It. Uh, they're, always, they're always like courting each other. They're always courting each other. It's like they're dating. And I, I feel like I'm not one to like wear makeup a lot. And I'm not one who always cares to like my grandmother would say like, oh, my God, comb your hair before your man comes home. I'm not one to advocate for that. But I want you to be impressed by me in some capacity. Whether it's, you know, business capacity, work stuff, writing a physical book. stuff, writing a damn book. Yep. Plug for the book. One more <laughs> plug. How many can we fit in here? Or if it's like, look at how much better my skiing is That's this true. season. That was very impressive. You know, I like I want you to be impressed by something about me. And I feel like that drives a lot of our behavior. And it's almost like part of the playfulness in our in our approach to one another. Right. And it's and like when we're away, we're that's like the times when we're like kind of scheming too. Yeah. Of like how to impress each other. All right. Well, I hope this has been illuminating for Sarah here because I mean, this is the honest to goodness truth is that our relationship is better with travel and time apart than it would be with time together all the time. No mm -hmm. doubt. And in fact, Part of what I'm doing now, because I am in Denver more often than I'm away, is really building out my personal friend and activist network here to have more of a life outside of this house. And I'm very much looking forward to when all the snow is melting so I can moped yeah. everywhere. Well, I actually just thought of something, which is we're away a lot and we spend periods of time where we don't talk to each other a lot like like you said we usually kind of check in once a day but it might be something extremely brief like literally like a g yeah. chat yeah you know or like a text message we don't necessarily talk to each other every day right but we do communicate a lot but don't confuse that with communicating a bunch every day we have like pretty frank conversations on a decent basis you know what I mean? Like when you come home and we'll go on a walk and we'll talk about things. But we're like, like every day, we're not like in each other's faces talking about it all the time. Right. Or talk like just like a lot of FaceTime doesn't mean like quality communication. Yeah. One of your love languages is quality time. So right. It's not time together. It's, it's not like quantity time. High... It's quality time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm not into quantity time. <laughs> no, you're not. Definitely, definitely not. But it's funny you mentioned walks because I have found, especially with you, but with pretty much anyone I've ever dated, 
when I get the men in my life, whether it's my dad or my brothers or you walking while talking, we can have these deeply philosophical, beautiful conversations. And I feel like every now and then we need a good dose of that. And thank God we have a dog because it makes it easy to say, let's take Teddy out to the park. and Let's just go for a nice long stroll. And one of those a week or every other week does the relationship great. Mm-hmm. But it's not frequency. There has to be, like, I remember being in relationships in which I was always paranoid. There has to be mutual trust from the beginning and respect and trust that is earned through actions and maintained because trust is a fickle thing. And we both know that if we violate one another's trust, it's going to be really hard to build that back up, if not impossible. Just like a credit history, having a credit card. Yeah. It's like they, they look at you, they look at your credit like, we just had a meeting with our financial advisor today and, and talking about like, should we take off some credit cards? We have too many. And it was just like, it was like if they're like long standing and not, there's no breaks in the chain, same thing with insurance. It's like, it's like, if you're like, if you don't break the chain at any point, then your rates are low and your credit's good, you know? And it's yeah. the same thing like in a relationship, just like, yes. just like long, you know, but if you break the chain once then you're, you know, that's it. <laughs> Or like, not to say there's not coming back from it, but like, it's not good. Right. That's why we're not big on white lies. I know a lot of people normalize little white lies. Yeah. And brutal honesty has been part of our relationship history. Like straight up, I cannot tell a lie. It's too f***ing rare in this world to find people who have the kind of character, which is all lies are bad, like pretty much across the board. We don't people please a lot. We keep things to ourselves when we have nothing nice to say, but we don't, you know, we don't bullshit people. Right. And that's another way in which I don't know if I just got lucky in that we found that in each other because I haven't found a lot of people who are that. Well, it's, it is one of those things where you have to, you kind of have to practice it, right? Because like when we we're, when were younger, we used to lie all the time. You know, yeah. as kids, you like lie. Lying is part of growing up, you know? It's part of being a teenager, especially. Yeah, exactly. Like lying to your parents or lying to your friends or lying to your teachers, you know? It's like, it was like, there's part of it. And and so you got to like break out of that and just even like catch yourself doing it, you know? Because it it, it can become such a habit. Like people who are like chronic liars, like don't even really know that they're like doing any harm, you know? Or some people think that they're saving other people from whatever. You know, or they're saving themselves from like catching. It's a convenience lie. Yeah. Or it's a nice lie or whatever. Yeah. Those are the white lies that I don't I don't really really don't appreciate. I don't date people for very long that tell little white lies. And that's why we've stuck together. We really don't do that either. So I think it's easier for us to trust one another with all this work, travel and not feel resentful of one another, in part because of our personalities, introvert, extrovert. And in part because of the good credit history <laughs> of truthfulness and, and trustworthiness that we've built up with one another through our actions, through trial and error, and then the, the clarity around communication and really expressing our needs and saying, hey, we're not communicating right. Like two weeks ago, and I said, what is going on? We're like breaking down in communication and it's hurting my feelings. And now I'm going to cry about it. And you were like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> stop, <laughs> pat, yeah. pat, like nuzzle nuzzle and I was like too late and then we had to find our way back 
I don't like relationships that are markedly imbalanced and that like kind of tout the imbalance. I'm not saying that people's relationships don't sometimes like work doesn't take a precedence for one person and the couple and then the other. But the mutuality, I think there's a really important component to our relationships, mutuality, like to how we see each other as reciprocal parts of this of this living organism that is our relationship. And you don't just say, oh, I love her ambition. You support in many different ways, including keeping our dog alive when I'm on the road or like keeping the house clean when I'm on the road. You physically and like emotionally support what I'm trying to do. And sometimes that means you sacrifice stuff for my career. And I sometimes sacrifice stuff for your career. And we never make each other feel guilty about that. That is the best part about our relationship is that you don't just like wear the feminist pin. In fact, you definitely don't wear a feminist pin. <laughs> but like you recognize that when I win, we win. Right. All right, final words of advice for the question of how work travel works in our relationship? Don't worry about it. Talk about it. Don't talk about it too much. Yeah. Don't like every night check in and be like, like, are you okay alone? Are you, what are you doing? Are you, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, that's too much. <laughs> that's Brad's book. I don't know if this is actually good advice or not. I'm just trying to think of something here. But if I were in this situation, which I am, yeah, that works for us. That's true. That's we true. don't worry about it. We talk about it. We don't talk about it every day. That's true. And like on my end, it's like watch their actions, not just their words, because actions definitely speak louder than words in this stuff. Yeah. And we take it one day at a time. We don't count on it like never being an issue we have to talk about. Right. Okay. Happy Valentine's Day, Brad. Thanks Happy for Valentine's Day. Thanks for joining me back on the podcast. Hey, didn't you just write a book? Hey, I did just write a book. Hey, bosses, those of you who are still listening to this conversation, if you haven't pre-ordered my book, please do. It's actually the source of near constant anxiety slash elation on my end of things. Since I made the big announcement, I've been having an emotional roller coaster, and I am so excited to be in the throes of planning the Boss Dub book tour right now. So if you haven't seen my announcement already this week, I just put out an email on Tuesday morning all about joining the Bossed Up Book Street Team, which is the group of women who will be hopping on to regular calls with me and my publicist and my whole publisher's team, the marketing folks who are helping me spread the good word of Bossed Up, the book hitting shelves on May 21st. And the folks on our street team are going to get insider influence into how the book tour comes together. They're going to help bring Bossed Up to their cities, to their communities, to their book clubs. And they'll even get some insider swag uh, as my personal thanks and my undying love and appreciation, helping get this book into the hands of all the women who we know need it. And it's really about spreading the good stories of dozens of women in our community who went like me, from burnt out to bossed up and feeling in charge of their careers and lives. So uh, yeah, thanks for mentioning it, Brad. I almost forgot. <laughs> so thanks for listening. And now I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you thought about Brad the Boo's second appearance in just as many months on the Bossed Up podcast. I promise I won't make it that frequent of an occurrence, but uh, this was fan requested. This was listener 
requested. So really, I always say this, and it's true. Our listeners determine our programming. Um, So thank you very much to Sarah for writing in. I hope we've answered some of your questions. And while no relationship is perfect, I love sharing what we've learned along the way, because I think we've learned a lot. And I hope that we can continue to learn a lot in our relationship and, and sort of share our experience along the way. I invite you to share your experience if you are the kind of person who travels a lot for work or fears traveling for work or just spends a lot of time apart from your partner. I want to hear about it. What have you learned through that process? And have you ever, like me, found yourself accidentally wrapping your own life around someone else's to the point when you find your own life unrecognizable? Or have you ever struggled as a woman to maintain your own sense of identity and independence? and your own ambitions in a relationship, tell me about that experience in the comment section of today's blog post at bossedup.org slash episode 97. And I can't wait to hear what you think. Tag me at Emily Aries or at bossedup.org on social media. And uh, feel free to send us, send us a love note. <laughs> send us a note at emily at bossedup.org. 